Welcome to Kashmir on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir Magazine. And I have an amazing guest today. The program is one of those that you're going to want to listen to again. So mark it down, the date, and uh, follow it up. Anyway, right now, without further ado, we're going to introduce our guest, who is Rav Gershon Bess who is the Rav of the base Medrash, Kehilas Yaakov, in Los Angeles, California, and a member of the VAD of the RCC, the Rabbinical Council of California. And I think to many of our listeners, he's very well known because of a booklet he puts out for Pesach called The Passover Guide to uh, Cosmetics and Medicines, which is, it goes in conjunction with Rabbi, with, with the Star K's uh, booklet also on, on Pesach issues. So he's very well known to everybody, whether you realize it or not. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome my guest, Rabbi Bess. You there, Rabbi Bess? Yes, Shalom Aleichem, Rabbi Wickler. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm sorry we're a few minutes late. That's something we couldn't avoid over here. You know, life is interesting on this side of the, the country. <laughs> anyway, okay. before, before we go into the, the program, I just want to let everybody know, and we'll get right away into the topic. We're talking today about a very important topic, and we have some amazingly important information that you're going to become aware of that, none, that I didn't know until today and that we're going to be discussing here. So really, you have to earmark this show and make sure you listen to it uh, again and will be archived on the radio station. Uh, you can, of course, get us now on the telephone, 508-506-9099. You can get us at the jrootradio.com. You can hear the archived in those places. And... What, to make sure that everybody who's listening for even for a few minutes that doesn't lose out, I'm going to email you. If you email me, just, just uh, type FISH, F-I-S-H. Send it off to kashrus at AOL.com, K-A-S-H-R-U-S at AOL.com, and I'll send you the updated list that deals with uh, which fish have uh, the anisakis worms in it and which fish are considered to be free or relatively free of the anisakis worms. So it's an all-new list, which was just a, just finished today. So uh, you're getting it on the cutting edge, as we say. Rabbi Bess, uh, you, you want to give us a little bit of introduction to the topic, but I think we've got to get into this, this list very soon. Go ahead, please. Okay, um, not sure exactly where Rabbi Wiggler would like me to begin. Well, I'll tell you, I'll, I get, I'll, I'll, yeah? I'll begin, okay. I'll, I'll begin, I'll begin. I want to tell you where I came in, and then you can tell me, you know, where you came in and what your, uh, your, your involvement is. See, I go back to this topic from the beginning. Before anybody knew about it, it was written about in Kashmir's magazine, and we were considered to be very strange people for, to even mention the topic of of worms in fish, because everybody knew that in white fish there were worms in the stomach, and everybody understood that they could also migrate to the body afterwards. That was accepted in the industry. What wasn't so accepted in the industry back in the uh, late 90s when we were talking about everything was that there are worms in the flesh of the fish. And at that time, many people uh, did find an interest in it, and I got interested in it because I read a, 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 a research topic, and in that research topic, it pointed to the fact that when the worms were being ingested into the host fish, the parasites were large enough that they could be visible to the human eye, whether they would swallow directly or not. But there was such 
rec- recorded uh, information, but it was all pretty late. It started in the 60s. Nothing in that research topic mentioned anything before the 1960s. So it's not an old, old, old topic. It's something that creeped in with a little more knowledge, a little more knowledge over the years. So we became aware of it, and at that time... Uh, one of my advertisers was A and B gefilte fish, and they claimed that they didn't have any worms in their fish. And uh, we had we were talking with each other, and we went up. I took a group of people. We went up to A and B, and we watched what they do. And they taught me, showed me how they take worms out of fish. Subsequently, I've seen it many places, and and they trained me how to do it. Not that I'm uh, that trained, but I did it a little bit. And we talked about it a lot in the magazine, and still people thought it was very bizarre. Somehow when an Asakis came, the whole situation changed, and people were concerned about at least the Anasakis worms. So we really need to know a little bit about the topic. We really need to know a little bit about Anasakis versus other kinds of nematodes, other kinds of worms and, how, and parasites in the fish. And then give us a little bit about what happened a few years ago when it broke and what the situation is today. I think the, the historically the way it broke to, in America was because it was it, it broke first originally in Eretz Yisrael when the Rav Mordechai, Kar, Rav Mordechai Gross rather from the Sheiris Chanich Ipanovich together with Ramosh Mordechai Karp Shlita both of them very close to medium of uh, of uh, Rav Yashiv uh, they became aware I think mostly through a Rabbi Revach who. Right does uh, much research on fish and worms in Eretz Yisrael, and they looked into the matter, and after they looked into the whole Metzias, they went to Rav Yashiv to ask Rav Yashiv what halach is. Rav Yashiv told them that Lefi, the information that you're telling me, it's Asur, but since this is something that's the gear for basically Klal Yisrael, he said that they should go to Rav Ozna and make sure that Rav Ozna and he are on the same page. Right. They went to Rav Ozna, Shlita, and Ravosin said he already had already, you know, written a tshuva already, uh, saying that the, this Anasakis was Asur, and of course he held that it's Asur. They went back to Ravyashiv, they told Ravyashiv that Ravosin says the same. So then Ravmeshashol Kleinschlitter, like who's the, like Avbezin by Ravosin, wrote up a Nusach, which, you know, basically saying that the Shtayg Dele Poiske Harov Dador. Rav Yashiv and Rav and Rav, and Rav hold that you know the Anasakis is a problem, and therefore this came out I think before Pesach a number of years ago, and people have to be careful about it. Then slowly the information came to America that there was this, and when it first broke in America, as you say, the immediate reaction was, "Oh, it's not a Shiloh. I've heard this Shiloh years ago." Uh, Paskin on the Shiloh radius, no Shiloh, it's often a Shulchan Aruch, as if, you know, the, the, they were being Machadish, the Revoyashi, Zatzal, and Revozna, actually, they were one of the beings Machadish, this, this uh, new kind of an Easter. And it kind of migrated into a question of, oh, it's uh, the ones who are answering, they're going, following scientists, which go Kenegit Chazal. I'll say that it's never in the fish, and they say that it comes from the outside, and this so, and that actually is what was which originally is truthfully what happened with when Rav Moshe was asked to Shaila. You know, is what of course it took a while until all the information came out, 
which maybe I'll, I'll get to a little well, later. I'd about... like to know, but I'd like to maybe, maybe right. it's a good okay. point to mention it. What do you say is the difference between the old Shiloh and the new Shiloh with the Anasakas? Right. Well, the old question, when it was brought to Ramesh's itself many, many years ago, really it, came, it was almost like um, it was a, a Rav Meislish and together with a Rav Gross who went to Ramesha. And they went to Ramesha, and uh, at the time, Rav Meislish had said over, actually, to my son, that uh, he was, I think, 23 or 24 years old at the time. And he uh, was looking always to get Kisviyad and wanted to get a tshuva for Ramesha. And he came to Ramesh, and he said that, uh, you know, the scientists say that there's no such thing as something being never created from the fish itself. And Chazal say that, that, it, that it is like that, that things are created in the fish, and therefore it's mutter. And he wanted to know what Ramesh held. So Ramesh said about it, we go, that if something is created in the fish, then avada it's mutter. So he asked him if he would write a tshuva, if he would write that tshuva for him. So Ramesha said, you have to ask me a Shiloh before I can ask to write a tshuva. <laughs> you're asking me why, <laughs> to, to write over a dinner in the Shulchan Aruch, I can't do that. Right. So that's, that's what the way Ramesha said over is what was the, what was the Shiloh. It wasn't presented to Ramesha at the time that they discovered a certain worm which they found and they proved and they showed beyond the shadow of a doubt that this worm is actually something that's coming from the outside and then migrates into the flesh when it's more than much more than visible. That's that's not that's the question that was not presented to Ramesha. And that's why uh Rev Moshe Rev Dov Feinstein Shlita says that his father was not presented the Shiloh of Anasakis. And that's why Rev Dovid himself signed on the on the uh Kol Kaire that was signed by Rav Shechter and, and Rav Enchor Yashiv and Rav Shlomizam and Rav Vozna, he signed also that one has to be careful not to eat fish that has this anasakis. The question is, there's really two, two, like two, two, two divisions, two issues, I think, that have to be clarified. One clarification is, it's clear that Chazal tell us that that which was created in the fish is mutter, and that which comes from the outside is osir. We'll mention that also again. That's clear. The question is, uh, what, what do we do with what the scientists say can negate that which Chazal say? Chazal saying that it's never, it's created within the fish, and the Thai scientists say there's no such thing as something being created in the fish. Well, we also want just to find that when you say scientists, at one time scientists was the same as saying non-Jews. But in today's world, many of the scientists that we've dealt with mm-hmm. are not only Jewish, but they're Yeresh Mayim. And so therefore, it's, it's not like no one ever saw it. Right. We have seen it. So right. we can't say it doesn't, it doesn't exist. Right. So there really does, something does exist. Right. So, it, so the truth is, there's still those that say, it's true that all the things that we see, we see coming from the outside. But you can't prove uh, that something doesn't exist. You can prove what does exist. You can track but you can't prove what doesn't exist. And therefore, to prove that there's no such thing as something, so to say, spontaneously growing within the fish, you can't prove that that can't be. Well, technically, but shouldn't be you able but, to do but, but, but that's not, we, nobody, you know, we're not going to be following that, that route. Anyway. But, but, but once again, before we go on, but mm-hmm. isn't it possible that we could do it in a laboratory? Can't we, uh, you know, take these things and, 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 and see where they come? Yes. 
that, that, that's, really, that's really a very important part of this point, and that is, this is not a question, when it, when it first broke, again, the question of Anasakis was said as if it's scientists against Chazal, and it was coming out that the materium in America, they go by Chazal. Mashenki and Rabbi Yashiv and Ravosna, they're following the scientists. But that's like a little silly. That's not, the, that's not at all what was the, the point. What we're talking about is when you ask any fisherman, anybody who handles fish, uh, ask them about, you know, do they see worms in the stomach? Yes. Where Do you see those same worms in the flesh? Yes. Do you see them going from one to the other? Yes. Sometimes you see them halfway in, halfway out. So this is not a question of scientists versus Chazal. You're talking about that every, you know, anybody who deals with fish. We have a person, uh, if I should mention, of Aaron Klein, who owns a fish place here and a fish restaurant. When, when it first broke and I first found out about it, I went to him and I asked him, I said, Aaron, what do you do about this? And did you know about this, that, you know, there's actually worms? He says, well, the first day I opened the business, I knew about it. And, of course, it's obvious, you know, where the worms are coming from, and, and I don't buy those fish. I only sell those fish which don't have the worms. So this is not a question of science versus chazal. This is a question of just looking, and it's, you know, when it first broke, people were saying, as far as it can't be, even if it was in the stomach, but it can't go into the flesh, because then it would make it into a trefa, and the fish couldn't live. Now we're way past that. Now it's, there are pictures, and it's obvious but how do we understand the Chazal? We have to oh, understand the Chazal. Right, right. Now the question is the Chazal. So, so it's interesting to note that Rabbi Belsky Shlita, you know, a number of years ago, in one of the shiurim that, you know, you were able to get on the OU website, discussed actually about uh, showing how you have to know how to uh, fillet a fish because sometimes there's worms in the, you know, in the, what you're getting rid of. And those worms, you have to be careful they shouldn't go into the flesh because then they would, then it would be also to eat because they're coming from the outside. And in that he mentions, in that, in that cheer, which actually I heard him heard, he mentions that the question is what about, you know, Chazal that talked about the ones that are created within the fish. So he said that's Pashit. What it means is that those, uh, um, worms, which enter microscopically into the flesh, and there they develop, that's what Chazal meant, that they're created. Because Lefi, in the way we see it, that's what it means it's created. But that was Actually, before Anasakis. That's before Anasakis. What? Because that's before it was before the tumult because, of because I'm just saying that's what he... That's yeah, I just what want he to point out. Explained. I just want to point out two mm-hmm. things here in this regard. Number one is that that was what was assumed to be the earlier position with the earlier worms, and that they didn't know that an esophagus, which is much larger when it's ingested, in stage two larvae or something, whatever, it's, it's earlier it's ingested when it's, when it's large enough to be visible. They were working on the premise that these other nematodes got in when they were so tiny and that most of the growth, I mean, that they, all the growth occurred inside. That's what Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Belsky said at that time. Well, uh, subsequently, first of all, I just want to say, because we mentioned Rabbi Belsky, I can only mention this because it's, a, it's interesting. I don't, we don't discuss personalities here, but what's very interesting, Rabbi Belsky said I, in a meeting that, that I was at, he, he repeatedly said, every single worm in the flesh of the fish came through the stomach. 
from Sheshis Yemei Breshis, that's the way it's been, he said. And every worm in the stomach, in the flesh has come through the stomach. The question was, at what size? So now, when we came up, when I came to him with these things about the, uh, about the Anasakis, so we were discussing that, so he redacted what he said a little bit from what you said earlier, not that the, that the, the whole growth was inside, but that significant growth was inside, and that that that, that is what Chazal meant. We're all struggling to what Chazal means, because we're not mm-hmm. dismissing the Chazal right. at all. Right. So let me just uh, say another another point on that, and that is when I was in Eretz Yisrael and I spoke to the Gaivid Rav Tuvi Weiss Shlita, yeah. who also um, was obviously involved in it, in this issue. So he said that there was uh, uh, a Rabbi Friedman who spoke to Rav Padva Satsal, the old Rapadva from England, yes. and asked him this question about how do we reconcile what Chazal is saying that it's never b'seichai and that which the scientists say that it's no such thing that it has to come from the outside. There's no such thing as spontaneous. So he said, <coughs> Rapadva answered and said, Manshach, either if the Chazal are right, we have no problem, and if Chazal and if the scientists are right, so then we have to say this thing that if it was nivra. It uh, uh, appears in the, it comes into the flesh in a, in a microscopic stage, and therefore we don't consider it as if it was born outside as a sheratzamayim or sheratzarit, but rather since microscopically it entered into the flesh, therefore um, it's considered that that's what Chazal meant when they said it's nivra minabasa. Right. So, but that, as you say, own does not apply at all to the Anasakis, because the Anasakis comes in when it's not, you know, uh, even a half a centimeter. It can come in at one centimeter, two centimeters, three centimeters. That's how it could come into the flesh. Okay, just wanna, I so just want to throw one in. can't I even just... say that significant growth is growing there. Right. It can be, right. I just, I just want to throw one thing in, because I, I told you I come into this very early. To me, the other worms that are in the flesh of the fish... Uh, also got there, as Rabbi Belsky said to us, even though he's the Mekilim, but it, that's because he understands the word Darna includes all kinds of worms. But, but, uh, but he knows that they came in through the stomach. Anyway, I saw these worms, they're huge. And what was interesting to me when I was going to the whitefish and I saw these worms, little cysts that were in the whitefish flesh, we'd take those worms out and open up the pack and the worms invariably were alive. The fish was dead for days, right. and, the, and the worms inside were alive. And that was what people would be ingesting. Of course, they would cook it, unless you made some kind of sushi out of it. But the point is, that they, the, these worms were definitely, you know, huge. They were a couple of inches long. So, I, you know, to me, to, uh, to, to say wherever it grew, I mean, obviously, it came through the stomach. And then when I saw that article that I'm talking about, which was a huge uh, thesis that somebody worked on, he pointed out that some of the, of the worms, some scientists had noted, was significantly large when they were ingested into the host fish. So even though you using the right, numbers... They actually uh, have to be at least a half a centimeter long in order to survive in the host fish. And that number, the half an, uh, mm-hmm. a centimeter, is the size... Quite what, large. It, yeah. Is is like just uh, just a little under a quarter of an inch, but a quarter of an inch is right. nothing close to being. And that's just when it goes into the host fish. Right. That's before we're talking. It goes into the, into you know, into the salmon, whatever. Right. But I want to make just make a correction. It's not true 
that every worm that's found in the flesh has to come in through the stomach. Gil, that the is not gills. true. Of the gills, of right. course. Well, yeah. well, first of all, that before Chazal saying not like that. Yeah. Chazal, the Gemara says that it can come in through the nose, right. or if it means the gills. That's yeah. one thing. But also, it was very interesting to note when I first got into this, I had written a way to one of the the great Gedolim, so to say, Gedolos, actually a lady in Denmark who spent her life, you know, uh, understanding the Anasakis and all the others. And I just wrote her, wrote a letter saying that, um, or maybe it's to to uh, to her student. I don't remember now exactly. It was a number of years ago. I said that you know the Talmud relates that. Well, let me let me start one point early, if you don't mind, before I get to the answer to that, to that very question. Good. Very good. And that is, see, there's there's also a very great great misconception. The conception is that misconception is people think Chazal say that if you find fish in the flesh of the fish, if you find worms in the flesh, it's mutter. Now that's a very big, you know, misconception because the Gemara clearly says not like that. The Gemara discusses a kukiani, that's, that's one type of worm in the fish. And the Gemara discusses, well, it should be mutter, because how did, the flesh get, how did the fish get into the flesh if we don't find anything in the digestive tract? So it couldn't come from what we would normally expect from that which a fish eats. Because if it came from what a fish eats, then you would find some of it in the digestive tract, and some of it would migrate into the flesh. And then the Gemara said, no, it's no right, even though you don't find it in the digestive tract, but it could have come in through the nose, etc. And that's how the Gemara comes out, that that worm is forbidden. Then the Gemara just goes without any explanation. The Gemara goes on and says that the worms that you find in the, in the, in the fish, those worms, those are permitted, while the worms that you find in, in an animal, in a, in a behemoth, those are forbidden. Okay, but so before, said, before you even explain that, it says the word darna. It says the word darna. And, right. and, and, and the question is, Rabbi Belsky feels darna is every single nematode. Yeah, okay, well... I'm sorry, the specific, specific nematode. But darna could be a generic. So that's, that's an issue here of how you're learning... That's true, darna. but I'm just saying, the Gemara just clearly says that there's two types. That you can't argue with. Right. The Gemara says... Kukiani, the worm that comes in, which is called the Kukiani, that one could come in through the nose or with the gill, maybe it is, and that's found in the flesh and that's forbidden. And then the Gemara says, but the Darni that you find, the, the Kavri, the Darni, that's permitted. Now the Gemara doesn't explain anywhere what, what, what was the change. We, the Gemara before, we just discussed that if you find it in the stomach, then it's obvious that it comes that then even if you find it in the flesh, it's going to be forbidden. If you don't find it in the stomach, then it seems like it must have been created in the flesh. Gemara says, no, it's no right. It still could be come from the outside. And then suddenly, but the Gemara says, the Darni de Kavra, that's permitted. So what changed? What was the Heta? So Rashi answers the question. And Rashi says that the, the, the answer to the question is because uh, he says that the, um, let me see, the Rashi says, that the reason is because here it's found bein or lebasar. That since you find the worm now between the fl- the skin and the flesh, therefore it means it's coming. Fr- it, it's nivra, therefore in the flesh, in the flesh itself. So Rashi went to answer this question. In other words, with the obvious question from the Gemara is that how come? Why suddenly did the Gemara just named on that this one is permitted? And the Rishonim say it clearly like that. 
And the Rishonim clearly say, like the, the Ashkel says the Lashon, I mean, all the Rishonim say it, but I'll just quote you one. And the Gemara, he says, Kukiani, that those are Tolayim Shebimei Hadogim Asiri, the Me'almasi, because they come from the outside. V'nechim Subachaitim. Avomurni Dekavri, Hagedeilin Ben Orlobasar Shari. The ones that are Gadol Ben Orlobasar, those are the ones that are permitted. Or like the Ra'ah says, he says, the ones that come in Achutz, those are forbidden. The Eina Nivrayim B'Seichai. Mashenkin, the ones that you find in the Basar, She'i Efshaloi Eloshin Nivru'u Misham Mutarim. The ones that it's only possible that they were created in the Basar. Mm-hmm. So in other words, he's following the Mahalach of Rashi. Rashi went to answer it, and that's how the Shulchan Aruch says it also. And that's how the Shach, when he brings down the Hefter, even though the Shulchan Aruch says, if you find it in the Basar or Bein Orla Basar, but he, he's quoting again this notion of Rashi, which all the Rishayim are quoting. Now it's because that's the terrors to the, to the explanation of why the Gemara before said, if you find it in the flesh, it's Usr. And then the Gemara says, Darned the Kavri is permitted. Why is that? Because you find it in Orla Basar. Why did Rashi come up with that? Because he was obviously bothered with this question. Why should it be permitted? Why maybe it came from the outside? So that's what all the Rishayim say, Mamish Dilashat Lashin. I'll quote you in the Erech Mishar on, on the Shulchan Aruch. He says, he says, the Pashadu Kebeyat the Bekutcha, which you have, the Klala the Milsa, Kol Shiesh Lachush, the Osa Me'alma Asurin, Num Zulasi, Hanim Tsayim Ben Or Labasa, the Nikarim Hain the Mikufa Dog Kaasi. It's clear then. So it's clear in, like, all the Rishayim, the Ran, the Miri, the Ah, the Eshkel, all the Rishayim, the Yosef, all, all say clearly. If it comes from the outside, and the Gemara says the first way to determine whether it should be us or not is check the base array, check to see the digestive track. If you see it there, then of course we assume that it's going to be coming from, from there, if it's that type of worm. So the Anasakis, which is clear, 100 million percent, checked over by, by all the ones that the the fishermen, the mashgichim, the ones who are checking worms, it's clear you find the worm in the stomach. There are pictures of it being halfway in the, out of the stomach into the flesh, into the muscle. Endless rise to that. So it's clear the Gemara says it's also. Now the question is, as, as you say, so what was Chazal talking about? So uh, that's when I get back to what I mentioned before, that when it first broke, I sent a, a letter to the Talmida of the one in Denmark. And I said, you know, the Talmud relates about a worm that is found in fish between the flesh and the skin, and which, which, which seems to be created there from the fish. Are you familiar with anything like that? So she writes me back that there's, there is a, uh, I forgot the name, of, of a worm that comes into the, that comes in from the outside and embeds itself between the flesh and the skin. And this thing is found in the Middle Eastern waters. Mm, interesting. Very interesting. So it's found in the Middle Eastern waters. So, you know, when it comes in, it's very small, right? Is it possible to see it? I'm not sure. You know, you know what we're going to call halakhically microscopic or not, but again, uh, we have to follow what the Gemara says. And the, in the other Gemara words, Rabbi, says uh, yeah. <clears throat> that that's what defines it. But so, let me add one so more then, point. In other words, Rabbi Bess, one thing we could say. I mean, I think what you're alluding to is that 
the particular worm that was found between the flesh and the and the skin maybe a particular the worm say is muhach that yeah. it was created there and it didn't come from the outside maybe maybe a special worm that was more common and was found in the middle east and that's what they were referring to and they maybe the some of the worms that we're having the problems with today were not as common uh, in that particular time in that, that particular place that i would say and I'll, I'll i'll talk about that also but uh, and let me, let me mention uh, another point and that is you know the you know the, the strongest uh, proof that people have been saying that it's permitted is because metalmogasin we always say are you trying to tell me that some seifu is eating it and this and that? Yeah, yeah. And these, these were around for at least 100 years and 200 years. And therefore, how are you talking? How could it be that it's, that it's Osir? <clears throat> that's one. So that's, that's a good question. And, and since, you know, I had this chus of, of uh, being asked, actually, when the thing first broke and it came out the letter that Rav Yashu said it's Osir and Rav Ozner, and then it became a whole question, what does Rav Ozner hold? <clears throat> so somebody had, had asked me if I would be willing to go to Eretz Yisrael, since I, Rosh Hashem, have had the schus of going into them often, if I would go and ask them to see, you know, like hear clearly from their mouth, what do they hold? Because uh, with Ravosna there was a tremendous amount of, of misinformation, I believe, coming out, which I can discuss that also. A little later. If we have but, time, Rabbi, but, we, got, right, but, we got a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> right. But, like, you know, the most important question, which then, you know, I asked after all this, you know, all this discussion, but, you know, people say that people have been eating it all the time. So how could it be? How could it be that it's awesome? So Ravosna, when I asked that for Ravosna, so Ravosna says, that's not our daiga. We have to go with Voshtet and Gemara and Shulchan Aruch. And in the Gemara and Shulchan Aruch state, that if it's Nisbara, that it comes from the outside, it's Aser, so it's Aser. That's what he answered. When I asked it to Rav Yashiv, very scared to ask such a question to Rav Yashiv, I had actually asked Rav Fivel Kohn's son, whose father, Rav Fivel Kohn Shlita, was in Eretz Yisrael at one point, and speaking to Rav Yashiv about it, I asked him to ask, tell, ask your father to ask Rav Yashiv this question. So he said, he, he held like, like Rav Ozenshlita, he said, my father wouldn't ask such a question. It's not a question. If <laughs> the Gemara and Shulchan Aruch say it's us, it's us, period. Right. I, the Gemara, I, the Shulchan Aruch brings the ones, these fish, yeah, the ones that you know come from the, from, uh, that are created, or whatever we call defined as created, but the ones that you know, that you find in the stomach, it's the same one you find in the stomach and then in the flesh. Of course, they're the same thing, and it's us. But anyway, I did have the guts, and I did ask Rav Yashif. And I said to Rav Yashiv, the Eilam is asking the question, how you talking? That's for 300 yards. 200 years we had these worms, at least, and and, and with Gigesen. So Rav Yashiv said, very base was Gigesen. That was his answer. Who knows what they ate? Right. right. So I, was, I wasn't so happy. So I, I went because well, Sadiq. Who eats something? Uh, he's protected. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't know. What be. That's what he said. Very, very supposed Who knows yeah. what they ate in those days? Right. So I went back. I was in Israel. I went back, and I and I and I sent another letter to this Marion Co from Denmark, and I asked her, you know, like how you know how long has it been known that you know the Anasakis and be eating this and that? So she wrote, I don't remember exactly the 120 years that, that you know was known this and that. As she's in the middle of the letter that she's writing me, she writes, but in the Baltic Sea, which has a low salinity, 
there, the, you won't find any anasakis. Wow. Because the, the anasakis feeds on, the krill feeds on the anasakis, and that's how it's transferred to the fish. And the krill can't survive in the Baltic Sea because <laughs> of, it has low salinity. So I almost fainted. I didn't know where the Baltic Sea is, I have to admit. So I Googled to find out, where's this Baltic Sea? Whoops. <laughs> I, so I, I Googled to find out, where's this Baltic, Baltic Sea? Try, trying to turn this off in the middle of it. So where's the Baltic Sea? So I'm looking, I looked at, at a map, and I see the Baltic Sea is this body of water in which, if there was, if there was um, uh, fishing, it's a body of water that Germany, Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, uh-huh. and Russia, and all wow. that. That's where it is. So then the Baltic wow. Sea, you don't have it. Now, so first, first, I'll just tell you the history. First, I was very excited. I can't believe it. You're telling me that's so there in, in Lita and in Russia, you know, in St. Petersburg, those places they where they have. fished all the uh, things, things. There was no Anasagis. So I ran to B'nai Brak, and, you know, after hearing this, and I went into a Meshashol coin. Shlita, and I told him that you're not going to believe what I just found out. I just found out that the Yama in the Baltic Sea, they don't have Anasakis because the, the krill can't survive over there. He says, yeah, the Edechreid is based from them, Shine. The Edechreid knows that already. So I said to them, why is there a problem with the herring? Why is there such a problem with the herring? Just get it there. So he said, because there, the herring that you get there, you can't make a good schmaltz herring from. <laughs> Tell me. Practical. Tell me. Practical. Right. Rabbi Bess, i got to take a, a break for a minute, and we have to get on to the, the, to the, the actual uh, list that we have here. There's, I, I think this is very crucial. I want to make sure we go through it and discuss it, and maybe if some people will call in. We, gotta, we have only a little minute of time. So I'm going to take a break right now right, for a minute. I, okay, but there's one more point of information which somebody may bring up. I want to ask Ed on the Baltic Sea. You're gonna, but when you yeah, finish. Yes, when, okay. So all I'm going to do is say a few words about our good friends, Glotmart, which is cleanly located at 1205 Avenue M in Brooklyn over here. And uh, just want to mention a little bit about the, some of the specials that are going to take place. But let me, uh, because they, they sent me the list late, I decided to, to pull off some of the things that are currently there. So if, you're, if you want to, you can get today and tomorrow uh, the new Kosherific pizza cones at four eighty nine, which is a nice price. Mendelssohn's pizza bagels at three forty nine, And uh, they have some very good prices on the meats over here. Veal stew, eight ninety nine a pound. Uh, shoulder London broil, eight forty nine a pound. And long bone lamb chops, ten ninety nine a pound. That's some of the specials that are from today and tomorrow. But uh, starting on Wednesday, here are some of the things you can find in the store: uh, Reisman's mini croissants, uh, ten ounces, two packages for five dollars. The Cheerios, eighteen ounce or honey nut Cheerios, seventeen ounce at three ninety nine. You can find uh, Benzie's gefilte fish, twenty four ounces a pound and a half for. $3.99. That's a pound and a half of fish. Okay. Um, the, the Glick's duck sauce, two thirty nine for 40 ounces. Another uh, example over here, Geffen toppings, uh, 16 ounce, two for $3. And at Glatmart, you can save a lot of time by coming in on the East um, 12th Street entrance. Uh, they'll park your car with the valet parking service and have it ready for you to load up with the items you purchased in the store. And at Glatmart, the quality of the meats is A1, with kosher certification from both the Star K and Vada Kashas of Flatbush, with Base Yosef meats and with expert Nikor, 
at Glockmart, you're getting quality kashras. Glockmart is at 1205 Avenue M, meeting your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glockmart, tell them you heard about Glockmart on Kashras on the Air over J. Wood Radio. And without any further ado, we're going to go back to our guest. This is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, Kashrus Magazine editor. And my guest today is Rabbi Gershon Best from L.A. We're talking about the Anasakis in fish and uh, some of the uh, findings that the people have had who have done some, uh, some exper- experiments recently. And we're going to give you a list of recommended fish in just a minute. But before we do that, I, and before you go to you, Rabbi Best, I, I just want to... Um, just, just to, to, to focus a little bit on this topic, a little in general. So we're saying that uh, if a person wants to be careful, they should. It was for the, as far as the anisakis, then there is no way except to limit some of the fish. In other words, you can't say it's not a meat hamatsu. Is that correct? In the in the list that has the ones that have. That there is a concern right. on the list of there. There, unfortunately, it's more than a miramutsi. It's at least a miramutsi, or even more than miramutsi. I myself saw when they were doing this experiments. They they had the salmon, you know, the good salmon. Mm-hmm. That's the wild salmon, and they took a little piece, was about three ounce size, and found about fifty worms in it. So it's uh, it's uh, an amazing thing. I mean, how can you find fifty worms in it? Because the worms are very thin. They're long but thin. And that's what the Anasakis is. So uh, reality is that there are plenty of worms in these kind of fish that have an issue. But, but Rabbi, I, don't, I interrupted you. Rabbi Best, continue. Yeah, I wanted to finish to? just on the scientific point of the Baltic Sea. However, I, w- I would like to add that, uh, so it, it just was a big physic to me, that which Rabbi Yashiv had said, Vervais, who knows what they were eating, and now, you know, one can answer that. You know, the Baltic Sea, that's where they're getting it from. Now, there is a migration in the, in, in the autumn till the spring of the winter of some herring that come in from the Atlantic Ocean through, a, through the straits, the uh, Skarak uh, straits that come in, and therefore near the coast of Germany and part of the coast of Poland, there are uh, herring which come in from the Atlantic Ocean which those don't do have a problem of anisakis. They do have? But that, they do have. Yes. And those fish, when by springtime, those fish leave and go back home into the Atlantic Ocean. So that in the summertime, all the fish that are going to, you're going to find in the Baltic Sea are going to be clean. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know how, I guess the fish know where they belong. But the ones, so uh, there is at certain times fish in the Baltic Sea, in the at least the western part, southwestern part of the Baltic Sea, where you could have herring with an anisakis. The only question again is, you know, Ravalkin from, from who used to be in, with the Edafredis said that even in the places where there is the problem of anisakis, it's not far. It's you don't find it when it's close to shore. You only find it when it's deeper. So many years ago, who knows if they went fishing in the winter? I don't know if they did. But even if they would, would they go that far out? But just the, the mere fact that, that, you know, basically the Baltic Sea is free of it, and there could be migrations, who knows, you know, those fish that do migrate in and then leave. 
you know, and then leave back into the Atlantic Ocean, whether, you know, we have that problem or there was the problem about it. Who knows exactly how the migrations went at that time, 100 years ago, etc. I appreciate the, I the, the look at the history, but I'd like to concentrate on what we got right in front of us. We have a little bit right. of time. Okay, if you don't well, mind, let me add one more important yeah, ahead, point, shoot. please, Rabbi Weekend. That sure. is, the part that is most aggravating to me is, is you know, the people saying, oh, but the people later all the time, so it must be mutter. Or the statement says Shulchan Aruch says that if you find it in the flesh, it's mutter, even though we said how the Mepharshim explained clearly that it means the ones you know that were created in it, not the ones that could have come from the outside. But, you know, we're, we're, but, so they're arguing, no, but the statement of the Shulchan Aruch says it's mutter. But here you have all the G'dayli Israel, Rav Yashiv, Rav Ravozna, Rav Chaim Kinevsky, Rav Nosen Gestetn is that's how, Rav Sternbuch, all of them saying, so, you know, you have a kasha, they don't have that problem, they don't have the problem about what did people eat all the time, so, but they're the murderer of the door, and they're the ones who told us that's not a kasha, for whatever reason, whether we answer it, we don't answer it, but they went ahead and said, still, it is also to eat. So how, do we, how do, does a person take upon himself then to say not? One they one they tried to hang on is they said oh but Ravosin really was Chaiser and he holds it as mutter, yeah, yeah. and that is like such a sad situation when Ravosin writes it in a safer he signed on the Kolkiri with, with Ravel Yashiv his his Talmud Rav Moshe Shol wrote a letter to to Ravai Ravai wrote that Ravosin is Maadif prefers that you get a fish without the Anasakis. So he wrote him a letter that how could you say my Rebbe says prefers when he holds it's a it's an Issa de Raisa and my Rebbe says it's from the Shailas Hachamurais Shal De Reinu. That's a quote. It's from the most serious questions of our generation. So how could you write that he that he only is Maadif? And on that letter that was sent to Ravai, Ravosin himself wrote Hadvorim Hanal Hema Amitiyim. He on the letter that, that his Talmud sent to Ravai. And then afterwards, Ravosna signed on the, on the Gilidas from Rav Yashiv. And so much, I, I, this goes, this bothers me so much, this sugya, because Rav Yashiv, who never, never signed a second time on a, on, on a halacha or something, and they didn't believe that, he, that you could ever get him to sign, here he signed two more times after he signed the first time. And he, and he signed on such a strong nusach that, it, that it's the obligation to be mafarsim and that the people in America, he, he, he asked me, he says, were, did, did the people accept it? Did the people accept yet the psak? So it's like, here we have the Godelador, which after his patira, we all learned, found out about his pure clarity and kola And he said again and again and again, that, and this is a quote that, that, that when he was told, and I told him even that it's out of the Heterim, he said, quote, Devarm Betelim, and Satgangan in the Yaren, as they say, it bothered him so much, and then we could just say, no, but Simas HaShulchanar, as if like Rav Yashiv and Rav Ozna and Rav Chankinevsky, all of them, and Rav Shmuel Arbach, all of those who said that it's also, they don't know about Simas HaShulchanar. It's a, All right. The, 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 I, I see you think I'm getting a little bit passionate no, about it. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think so. <laughs> Baruch Hashem, you put a lot of koichas into it, and we appreciate that you did. 
Otherwise, we wouldn't be even here today. So uh, let me let me just take a few minutes. We're going to read. We're going to yeah. lead this list, and maybe you'll have something to say on it. Because I'd rather read the list first that are, are recommended. I'm, I'm going to lead now. Again, who? Uh, I'm not going to ask for names of people, but this this work came from where? Is it from it, Israel? It, from America? It came. It, it came from America. Okay. It came from America from the uh, discussing with people who have a fish store, yeah. who sell fish from people who have been doing bedikas on fish, checking the fish, various, you know, Russia, uh, okay. around America. Okay. We, and we and also, uh, this is the best that, that we could do at this point. And we, and we welcome, I mean, I welcome anybody who has different information to contact myself. You can write to Rabbi Best directly, yes. but if you want to contact me, I'm, I'm glad to hear what, you ha- what input you have. So I'm going to read a list of recommended fish for this anisakis, which means the following fish, whether they're fresh, frozen, smoked, or canned, are free of anisakis. Now, maybe they'll find one in a zillion. We're not talking about that. We're talking about halacha. We have halacha. Okay, so the first, list, the first one listed is carp. And I want to just stress that everybody listening to the show knows that carp has other kinds of worms and that uh, they have to be examined for those worms. Sometimes the head of the carp has a lot of worms. People who work in the fish business will, uh, and, and if, they're, if, if they're selling you fish that are free of worms, then they will be aware of that and they'll be uh, examining it properly because you can examine for other worms, but the anisakis is very, very numerous and it would tear apart the whole fish to take them out. So though they can't deal with that. So carp, again, these things mean as there's no guarantee that there's no worms in it, I mean, we're talking about anisakis, and you have to buy in the shop, the, the, uh, the fish store, where you feel uh, that, that they're taking these things seriously and that they would be aware of other worms if you hold that the other worms are issues. Then they mentioned flounder, and it says only certain kinds of flounder. Here are the ones that are acceptable. Fluke from the northern waters. What, what are the northern waters? I think it, it could be if the ones that comes from the uh, the Great Lakes area. I'm not sure. So we really got the Mavara that sure, we can. It's called fluke. It's called fluke flounder. Okay, so fluke is a kind of is a, is a similar fish. It's it right, is the, the, the actually types a fluke of is a long, is. Actually, fluke is a larger fish. It, it does look a little different, but it is a it is a flounder. There's, they're much larger fish, and uh, you, from a fluke uh, or flounder from the Georgia banks. Or channel flounder. Right, that's the way they're known in the industry. When a person orders fish, like a fish that will order, he'll order either, you know, Georgia Banks right. flounder or channel flounder. Right. And gefilte fish is mentioned over here. That means to say that gefilte fish has been chopped up, so there's no issue. Is that what you're saying? Right. That's the, they were saying on that, right? Right. Because it's mashed up that much that if there would be, that it would not be a sholem and therefore it would be bottle. So that's a very, very important uh, thing for all of our listeners to listen to, that the gefilte fish would be uh, not an issue regarding these worms. Next comes herring fillet, and I know that the herrings, uh, you talked about it, have been a very big topic. And I know that Rabbi, uh, what's his name again, uh, from the, with Rabbi, R- Revach. Rabbi Revach, I believe, he said that he was able to uh, take out the worms from the fish, and he pulled out the whole stomach right away after the death of the of the herring. And that way they were able to prevent it from going and penetrating in. But he claimed that the herring was, uh, that they were penetrating the herring. 
So this is right. new findings we right. have? This is new findings plus two points. One point is that Revolyashev's itself held, uh, that's what Ramesh Martha Karp discussed with Revolyashev, that he was makel on the herring. Since the herring, the only way that one could remove it, since it's, it's a mute, and the only way that it could be removed it would be through the destruction of the fish, because the herring, you can't like really separate it like, like others. Under and others, you if you have a flashlight underneath, underneath you know a thin fillet, you'll be able to shine it through and you'll be able to see where the worm is. Mashenkain with the herring, it's not efshelavrure, therefore it's like like a reyesh that would be muta. But the truth is, uh, recently, very recently, actually in the last month or two, extensive research was done on herring, and they found that it actually is way less. The prevalent than they thought originally that it was. Because it was like, you know, quite a number of fish were, and they found maybe one or two in the whole, in the whole batch. So the herring that comes from Denmark and Holland and other places, they, they now at this point feel that it's way less than a mere chain of matzo, and therefore it would not require bedika. But as which far is very as, good news. Well, it may be good news, but I want to raise a question here okay. in that this is something that has to be monitored. Uh, yes. Yeah, in, well, and, that's not, in, and not just the you know right. the the sources, and the times of the year, as mm-hmm. you yourself said before that that the winter and the summer could be completely different things. The fish going here and going there. So I I, I hope that somebody you know who put this the list together uh, is really going to be monitoring it and let us know if well, there's anything. Well, they monitor it because they're they're constantly checking on ISA. You know, there's a okay. few places that are constantly checking, and that's why there are some changes in the list. As as the list progresses. Okay, this is a, these are big changes. Right. Now the next one is a list of, is locks, farm raised locks, which is uh, which it usually is unless it's marked wild should be acceptable. The right. wild is not acceptable. Minced fish cakes, fish sticks. I'm sorry, minced fish patties and minced fish cakes. These Again, are that's the, relying on the bittle. Relying on bittle, me means that it's minced that it'll be broken up. Right. But again, we're stressing the word minced. So not all fish cakes and fish patties and fi- are, are acceptable. Right. And I was in the la- a later list that has it that fish sticks, fish patties, fish cakes that are filleted are not okay. Okay, there it is. The fillet is not acceptable and the, and the minced is. Mullet is also on the recommended list. Perch from Lake Victoria, Africa. Wow. That's yeah. where they're getting the, the, the Nile perch, whatever they call them. Uh, pike is acceptable. Uh, pollock, only the Atlantic. And pollock is a very common fish because the pollock is in a lot of the fish sticks. Uh, now, they're very cheap, and a lot, of people, uh, a lot of people buy that. It's very easy to serve. So uh, that's something that everyone has to really be watching for, not to get the filleted fish sticks, uh, but to get the minced ones. And to, uh, if you know that it's uh, from Atlantic, the pollock's from Atlantic, then that would be acceptable even if it wasn't, uh, wasn't minced. Red snapper except Pacific. I just want to make my listeners aware that red snapper, the many fish are called red snapper, and it's a little, and some of the others also, then a lot of different kinds of fish get called it. You have to be a little bit careful here. But red snapper, except the Pacific, is recommended. Red perch from Canada, recommended. And now we come to a very interesting topic, sable. Sable, uh, you know, there is no such thing as this. Most of the people are not really getting sable. They're getting something else that's being called sable. Even though you buy it and you pay a lot of money for it, you should know it comes, there's different types. 
And I've seen these worms in the fish being served at Malava Malkas and, and Brissim. Never people eat them and would only think about it. They, and one person said it's 100% mutter and he eats it. Uh, yeah, it's very, very sad because uh, you could see the worm right there and I, they doesn't care. Now, sable, only when marked farm-raised black cod. In other words, that's a kind of fish that could be called sable. Uh, when made from sea bass, Chilean, then it wouldn't be acceptable. Well, so, no, we'll say that that's, that's another kind, but that now is acceptable, actually. You'll see it says later. Where is that? That's, oh, sea bass, Chilean. Right, right. Oh, so then, then there's nothing right. wrong with it. No, okay. right, but sable, true sable, the ones that are not made from black card, but the one that's real sable, that's on the not recommended right. list. Right, that's it. That's right. the answer. Okay. Right. And salmon, farm raises acceptable. Uh, for example, Atlantic, British Columbia, Chilean, New Zealand, Norwegian wild, all baby salmon. Right, that's, that's an important point. The Norwegian wild, that is, uh, they call it wild salmon, but it actually is not wild because it's actually caged. The area in the water is caged and fed with regular food. Not on krill. Right, not on krill. And that's why the Norwegian, you, you'll find in places that are mockbid, They'll still have Norwegian. Yes, for wild, yes, we have Norwegian wild. Uh So it has an advantage that it is really in the ocean water, but it's actually caged, so it doesn't have the problem. You know, Rabbi, Rabbi, there's one more important point I wanted to mention, but when you have a chance, we're we're going to have to go through a list before I got got, got cut off. (laughs) The sardines from Morocco and the Philippines are acceptable, but the uh, the ones from Portugal, Scotland, and Norway should avoid. So again. The ones that are acceptable, Morocco and the Philippines and the sardines. And the sardines that are skinless and boneless are acceptable in all countries. I suppose that most of only the... In this, it's only in the middle. Yes. Yeah, right. Once they clean that, it's gone. Right. And sea bass, again, sea bass, you've got to be careful because a lot of fish are called sea bass. Even you're giving a list of three of them. But these are the ones that are good. They call them min sea bass, but really these are the things to watch for. Blue nose from New Zealand. Grouper from Mexico or striped bass, these are the ones that are acceptable. And, and Chilean sea more. bass. Chilean sea bass. And then the sole, lemon sole only. Uh, we should have put that up next to the herring, the, 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 next to the flounder. Because uh, right, no, regular sole actually is a problem, as you see on the bottom of the list. Right. But lemon sole has been checked recently for a while, and they haven't found in the type of sole that's called lemon sole. Uh-huh. So that's then, why I'm, it's on the bad list, yellow sole. But yellow sole, lemon sole actually is good. And tilapia, all trout, and there's plenty of different types of trout, tuna, and then there's a thing called here white bass. That's really, also been checked recently. I'm not familiar with white bass, what it is. What is white bass? That's a kind of fish. Okay. <laughs> anyway, white fish from the Great Lakes. Some people say the Winnipeg is also from Canada is also all right, but the White Lake, Great Lakes is the best one. Right, so I've that's read one a li- that doesn't have the other worms. I've read a list of about twenty different fish that the people could be eating without any problem with anisakis. Uh Get yourself to a good uh, fish store if you want to check for the other worms. The the, the not recommended list I'm not going to read because it's going to confuse you more. And anyone who wants to get this list from me, no charge or anything, just email me. I'm not sending them in the mail. Email me at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. Kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. And uh, you can just uh, email us. Just write the word fish on the top line there. And just, you just tell it, and we'll send it to you. 
We're going to let me add way. if we have a second sure. that the salmon, the canned salmon, is usually wild, which is a problem. Now, some cautious agencies say that since it's steamed in the can, it's nimuach, ah. and therefore it's not shalim. But that's the people who have checked it have seen it's not true, and uh, the the when they were checking herring. So they told me that uh, that they, there's certain herring they found doesn't have problems with worms. So I said, how do you know it doesn't have if you're telling me it's so hard to find? Maybe you just didn't find it. So they said they put the, the herring flesh in a certain kind of acid, and the acid eats up and, you know, liquefies the, the flesh, but it doesn't affect the anasakis. Wow. The anisakis is eaten by the krill, and it doesn't get affected. Wow. It's then eaten by a, by a salmon, which eats, which devours, de, demolish, disintegrates the krill, but the anisakis still remains. Mm. Even in that, until it's swallowed by the whale, it still s- sticks around. So the anisakis is really a superbug that, you know, even if you put it in the acid, you don't get rid of it. So obviously... You know, when you just you know cook it in a in a in a salmon in a can when it's in the retorts, it doesn't become the muach, and therefore it is a problem. What I never understood is that why the wild salmon is supposed to be more expensive. How can the salmon can a salmon cost a couple of bucks? And they I I would guess the reason is because they take the parts of the wild salmon that's sold like steaks, so you can't use the part that's right near the tail and right right near the thing. So there's a lot of parts of the wild salmon or damaged ones that they can't sell at the high price, and that they'll just throw into the can. Beautiful. Rabbi Bess, you've been a tremendous help. I wish we could go on for hours, and we didn't even let anybody call in. Uh, I know you owe My me good the... luck. <laughs> what? My good luck. No, no, it's not fair to anybody. we got to get you back again soon. I, th- I want to thank you very much for joining us this evening, and uh, anybody who uh, wants to listen to the show again, they, they can get it on JRoot. Uh, it's going to be recorded there. And again, if you need the list, which I think you do need, everybody, just email me, kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. You can call, but I'm not going to be able to send these to you. So you can, if you want to call us for any reason, our office number, Kashrus Magazine, if you want to get a subscription, you're interested in anything about Kashrus, call 718-336-8544. And until next week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, and thank you very much, Rabbi Best, for joining us. Be well, and shkoyach. Awesome. Let's hope a Kiddush Hashem comes out. Definitely. Amen.